I guess we'll just go ahead. Uh, later on, we'll be doing the announcements and stuff, and and so prayer letter, prayer time. But uh, turn to in your Bibles to Romans chapter eight, uh, verses 28, 26 and twenty-eight. I'm sure for most of you, you. Uh, Immediately, when you hear Romans 8, 28, you know what it's all about. And that all, all things work together for good to them that love God and so on. And it rolls, it's one of those verses that rolls off the tongue real easy. And uh, <clears throat> myself, I've always thought I had a pretty good handle on it. But I found out that I really didn't. Um... This message has been one of those that just didn't come easy. You know, some of you that, well, a lot of you weren't much around in the 60s, but there was a country singer, Johnny Cash, that wrote a song uh, by the name, a boy named Sue. And in there he said, uh, he said, I, he said, I know I fought tougher men, but I can't really remember when. And that's the way it kind of is with me with this message. I've probably had a harder time <laughs> concluding a message before, but I can't really remember when that was. But you know, as I, I've been working on this for a number of weeks, um, I try to keep a message or two for the church going all the time, and I try to keep working on uh, messages for the jail. And I've been working on and blasted out two or three good messages for the jail. And I've been working on this. When I got to the polishing stage, it just, just wasn't going. Um, and the days were getting closer to when I was going to be up here. Matter of fact, it was a week ago, I had a conversation with another church member that, that really touched me. It was a, a very emotional, charged thing, and, a, it was, and that God was really in with us as we were speaking to one another. Uh, there were some tears that came and went, and uh, we went on. But... Through that, I knew that God was trying to get something across to me, and I really believed that concerned this message. So Thursday went, jail went great. We had a good group in the jail. Then uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday was a, was, a, was a good day in the Lord's house. But I still hadn't gotten anywhere with that. And so <clears throat> Monday morning, I woke up and I felt good. If you, ever, if you have had long COVID, you know what I'm talking about, because I have very few whole days when I felt good. And so I grabbed up my notes. Fire was all perking along real good. I got my notes going, had them ready to go. And I, for some reason, must have been the Lord, because I never put music on when I'm studying. But I went on uh, the... Uh, Alexis, Alexa, Alexa, and I had her play some, I asked her to play some, some, uh, some soft uh, gospel music. And she brought up this, this lady was singing, and it, was a, it, was a, it wasn't her voice so much, it was how she sang. It's like, you know, you, you sing, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. She sang like, Jesus loves me, this I know. And 
she began singing these hymns. It was like, it was like I felt every word. It's like I knew every word. And, he, and she sang the songs about the blood, about the cross. Every, not one song that I didn't know heart by heart. And uh, in that moment in time, the Lord really began to speak to me. I'd been trying to do and figure this out myself. And in the end, it just came down to be still and know that I am God. And he ministered to me in that time, and he showed me then the impetus of how he wanted me to end this message. Uh, and we're going to, actually, it's going to be some personal uh, uh, testimony uh, that I have about this matter of infirmities. That's what the title of the message is, Let's Talk About Our Infirmities. So let's pick up the commentary, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's go to the Lord again and I'll continue. <clears throat> Wonderful God, I thank you for blessing me as you have. Dear God, I love you so much. I love this church so much and what they mean to me is beyond uh, speaking. Just pray you help me, hold me up, Lord. Help me to bring this message in a clear and meaningful way. I thank you for how you've blessed me with the, this study, how you've brought me closer to you, how you've shown me more of who you are more, and more of who I am and where I need to be. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Okay, this, <clears throat> this uh, verses start out with the word likewise, and that references some of the ideas of the previous uh, part of the chapter. We know that this chapter starts out Romans 8, 1. Therefore, the, there is now no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ. And then through the, the, the rest of the portion of Scripture coming up to, to this, uh, what we're looking at tonight, I think you could boil it down to what it says in Romans eight eighteen, where it says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. The, the man that led me to the Lord up in that little miner shack up at Boundary, Alaska, that was the first verse that he advised me to memorize. Because he said, Jim, stuff is going to happen in your life as a Christian. And you need to know and understand about this, that whatever you go through in this life, it's going to be all taken care of up there. And he taught me to think about looking upwards to the Lord and trust in him for the matter of his life and, and, and uh, salvation and service. And so in, 
in this portion of scripture, then we see some things about this matter of our infirmities. I looked up, uh, I looked up uh, the, in the concordance, and it defines infirmities as being feebleness of mind or body. And then Webster goes on and he expands upon that. And he says that besides an unhealthiness in, in body, weakness and feebleness, like, and he uses the term of old age. Okay, you can chuckle. But it's infirmities happen when you're old. It's the way you are, you're, you're, you're wearing out. But he also talks about weakness of mind, infirmity, weakness of mind, a foible as something that's a particular moral weakness. It also talks about infirmities, indicates something of, of weakness of resolution of the will. <clears throat> I remember and I liked, I love that, 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 that song that goes, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Man, that's bad. But the will, we can will to do right, we can will, will to do good, and if we let our will weaken in resisting the things of sin and, and the world, uh, we can then find ourselves in a compromised position where we may suffer for bad decisions. And also, the, the term uh, infirmities can talk about any particular disease, uh, particular, it talks about chronic diseases like long COVID, like I told you about. Remember I told you Monday was the first COVID-free day I had? This is day three. I haven't known three days like this since before June 10th, 2020. God is working a miracle for me that I could stand before you tonight and testify to you that you don't need to let your infirmities overwhelm or overcome you. Things are going to happen. You've got to learn to deal. But you need to learn to not let you, to, to take your hands off and let the Lord deal. From our scripture it says there, it talks about how that the Holy Spirit maketh intercession for us. Intercessory prayer is what, when someone makes, when you make a prayer for somebody else, the, the, the Holy Spirit's not praying for himself. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. When we come before God with our sincere uh, cares, our needs, our afflictions, the stuff that's happening that we can't put a handle on, take it to the Lord in prayer. And like the sin said, leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. And with the Holy Spirit, as it says there, he, he prays in a way, you see, like it says there, we don't really know how to pray because we don't know what God's will is. The Holy Spirit does. He hears what we have got to say. He goes to the Father and says, this is it, and this is what we want him to do, to be like. This is what we, we need to see him to understand about how to deal with this problem. Help him to do that. So, and we know that the ways of the world is to bring about many things of suffering and separation. And you know, there's indeed, we're gonna look at here in a minute that, you know, there's, um, 
Well, just as we are tripart beings or three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit, we can be assailed with infirmities of all different kinds of, you know, any one or all of those different areas, body, soul, and spirit, because um, that's the way we work. We are, uh, uh, the, the world has influence, the world and the flesh and the devil are after us all the time, one or the other. Um, we know that when, when Satan worked on, on Adam and Eve, he came at them with a three-pronged attack in that very same way to take them down and to bring them into trouble and ruin. But you know, <clears throat> all those things, as it says in 1 John 2, 16, for, I, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And there's, there's a spiritual warfare going on in this world all the time, everywhere. The contest for the souls of men goes on. And that's our, that's our duty and our, our, uh, our, uh, our work as a Christian to be able to reaching out to these souls of men. Because while it's God's willing that, will that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance, it's, it's the devil, it's Satan's will that all would not know God and would end up perishing with him in the fires of hell. And this war is going on, and it's almost like the war that goes out on the battlefield. The purpose of war is to impress your will upon your enemy. That's what Satan tries to do. That's what the flesh is trying to do. That's what the world is trying to do, to get you to conform to its image rather than being conformed to the image of Christ. We'll look at that in a little bit. So, considering the statements that we've looked at, we can draw the simple conclusion that we're all, or will have, or will have infirmities at one time or another in our life. Body, soul, or spirit. Physical, mental, moral, spiritual, things that come into our life that would be a distraction and even destruction at times. And one commentator said that a good paraphrase of these verses might read of, of, the, of our text now. It says, thus we both groan in hope. We cannot pray definitely for the removal of our sufferings because we do not know what is best. But the Spirit prays within us in inexpressible longings which God understands and which are, as our words might not be, in accordance with his will for us. And this we know, do know, and this is something that we do know, that the word know talk, it pops up three times in those verses. There are some things that we can know. We can know as an absolute truth, because it's from God's word, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. To them that love God, God will bring the blessing of his presence. He'll help us to deal with those infirmities, with those testings, with those trials, with those temptations, with illnesses, with diseases. And it isn't always that God heals or gives us the answer that we want, but as just like Jesus' preaching. He didn't always give the people what they wanted to hear, but he always gave them what they needed to hear. 
And in that same way, we may not get the answers from God in what we, what we really wanted, but we're gonna get, we'll get the answers that we really need. So, and I looked at this word groanings, and it's used in application here. It says, the Holy Spirit is as, it's as with, with he's sighing, and that, or he has the same deep feeling and the intense anxiety which exists in us, and he's, he's experiencing the same things, our heartache at times, the soul ache. That, those kind of things that we can only speak to God about. The Holy Spirit is able to express our very feelings to God the Father because He knows us and He understands us and He's able to reflect to God exactly what God needs to know and to hear from us. And so you know, the Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effectual fervent prayer. Effectual fervent prayer. That means that, that, that prayer that comes from the heart. That comes from the inner soul and our being as we offer up the, the, the great concerns of our life. And so... Again, God the Holy Spirit offers up prayers on our behalf with the same intensity that we experience when we are going through the times of testing and trials. And the promise, the promise of verse 28 is open only to the persons or the persons who are true born-again Christians. God can and does bring consolation and help to lost man in this time of trials, but God is, is honor bound to answer the prayers of his children. Again, he'll answer our prayers in accordance with his will for us because his will is the best for us. Always. Evermore. God's way is always the best way. And so, but he will, the promise that he gives to Christians is that he'll never leave nor forsake us, that he'll be there and he'll be our confidence and our guide in the times of trials, and ultimately bring something good from it. And that, that, that term ultimately, as I thought on that, I didn't really know why I wrote that in the first place, but then I thought, We don't always see immediate uh, answers for our prayers and results. Um, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, we tend to think in natural means. Like the, in the parable of the soils, for instance. We know that, that, that it fell on a couple, three places and it didn't do anything. But then when it fell on the good soil, it gave forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 percent, or 100, 100 uh, uh, proof or not hundred proof hundred fold thank you and we get to thinking like you know well you sow in the spring and you reap in the fall you sow in the spring you reap in the fall in the natural sense that's true but in spiritual matters not necessarily so God is going to answer his prayers to us and for us in accordance with his will 
And sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes we'll never see the results of some of the, from the prayers, the intercessory prayer that we offer up for others. People tell me that they're praying for me. You see what God did for me? In the power for prayer? Prayer is powerful. When we do it, we're accessing the power of the Almighty God of heaven and earth and all that is. And so, ultimately, at some point in time, this is going to work out, these things are going to work out for our best, uh, for our best, for our best, for, for our own good. And I couldn't leave off, by the way, this is supposed to be a 20-minute message, and I'm, it might not even go that long, but there's going to be a lot of application. It says there in, in, in verse 29 of that chapter, this is where it really, the rubber meets the road. All this matter of the, of the trials and the sufferings and the testings and, and, and so on, are most of it, some of it is for correction when we sin, but even then it's for our good. Romans 8, 29, it says, For whom he did foreknow, that's us, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. As I read this verse and this phrase, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. This leapt out to me and I began to understand what this really entails. I believe that virtually from from birth and through the experiences of life before we're saved that God was putting together on that potter's wheel little dabs of clay putting it together molding it a bit and he was he had a mind remember it says he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. This is what I see is that, that God had in his mind's eye exactly what he wanted to make us into as a servant of God. That he wants us to conform to the image of his son. And that as each and every one of us has a singular personality, he, and just like uh, every one of us, this vessel that he makes, makes us into. Remember, he's the, the Bible says there in Isaiah 64, verse 8, But now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou art our potter, and we are all the work of thy hands. And I believe this is what happens. When, when an individual gets saved, God begins then to mold that, that clay Today, the, the potter's clay comes already all, uh, you know, it's all free of any uh, defilement, of any crud in it or anything. But in the, in the days of Jesus, when they would go out and get clay out of the field, they had to work the, 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 the impurities out of it. And they did that with water and they did that with their hands. And they would work that until, until they had a lump that they began to work with. And then they began to fashion it into a, to a vessel, whatever, for, some, for, for practical use. And that's what God does with us. He's working, he uses sometimes our afflictions. 
He uses these infirmities. He uses these things to start knocking off the rough edges. To help us to get rid of the sin. To get rid of the, 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 the personal traits and characteristics that we've carried as a lost person. And to get rid of those. And to, when he gets those things, they, to, to, to cast them away. And it's an ongoing process with us. You know, with a, with a pottery vessel or something, there comes a time when the potter stands back and he says, that's it, you know, take it off of the kiln and here we go. But with, with believers, we're a little bit different. We tend to go, go through life and we'll pick up more dross, we'll pick up more impurities, we'll pick up, uh, you know, stuff that needs to get dealt with. Sin. And so... God is ever working on us as that potter through life to work to make us into the, to that vessel that he can use for his service. Because he uses his son as, as you know, it's like a person that does a, a drawing or something, or even a guy, a potter. The guy might bring in and say, here's a picture of what I want you to make. And you go ahead and do that. Well, the picture that, that, that we have that he's trying to make us into is his son. He's the perfect son of God. And that's what he's trying to get in with you and me, is to be able to get us in a, in a position where we look more like his son than we look like the world. That we look more like his son than what we looked like when we were, before we were saved. And that's why he sometimes allows infirmities to come into our life, because they can help us to get our attention to work to what we may uh, need not to be doing and to get back doing the things that we need to be doing. And so, like I said, this was a reckoning time for me because, uh, well, I want to look at two things that serve to make me into the person that I am today. <clears throat> we look at one before I was saved and then one after I was saved. You know, as a young man, I, I loved to read. Uh, when we had a, a, in the grade school, they had built a new school and they had, you know, one through three, three through six, or four through six, and they had a beautiful library. And I was in the third grade, and, and uh, I was already could read a Sunday paper, most of it. I'd learned how to use the dictionary and all that stuff. I wanted to know stuff. And I saw, looked over in the four or five, in the, uh, the upper grades there, and I saw books in there that I wanted to get after. And I went and grabbed a couple of them, and I took them up, and the teacher said, no, you can't read, you can't have it. You gotta have these over here, you can't read those. And I said, I can read that one a few times. Never stood up. And so I started reading. She said, okay, you can go ahead. So I went over and I started reading about scientists and inventors and explorers, people, places, and things that, that were just a marvel to me. Everything I, and I, I became particularly interested in archaeology and paleontology, even from a little guy. And on up into the years, up into my, uh, the, <clears throat> until I was up in about sixth grade, you know, after my dad died, I didn't have farm chores anymore. I read, I read and I read and I read. I kind of hid in books, maybe. 
to deal with the pain of losing my dad. <clears throat> and if you're ever in sixth grade, I don't know if they still do, they give us some, uh, some aptitude tests or something, you know. And I didn't think nothing of it. My, my teacher, Mr. Wilkin, he came to me and he said, uh, I shouldn't tell you this, but uh, you scored in the 99th percentile in all these tests. And that's as far as you can go. And, uh, and he said, you, Jim, you can do anything that you want in life. And I was thinking to myself, I was just joyous. I want to be that scientist. I want to be that uh, archaeologist. I can do it. But then he said, there's one thing that he said, you know, you're, you're not scoring very good in, in, uh, in math, you know. And uh, he said, well, you'll get that later on. Well, he was wrong. Most, most males are, are, are geared uh, to, to be able to do problem-solving, mechanical stuff, mathematics. I was not. And it wasn't very long. You know, I was a straight-A student. Get in the, in the junior high. And uh, between puberty and everything else going on, uh, it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. You know, the shop classes was just, I couldn't take a bicycle apart, put it back together. You know, make a little planter thing. Might have come out wrong every time. And so I gave up my dream. I gave up my dream of ever doing any of those things, and, and it became a, a humiliation to me. Almost a shameful thing, a frustration that I couldn't be able to do the things that I wanted to do most. And it's still, you know, it's still with me today. It's the first time I've ever told anybody about that. So how could any good come from that? How could anything good come from that, from something that hurt me so much? Well, then I considered, as this is all going on, you know, on, on Monday morning, God was talking to me. And he said, well, I was thinking, well, what would happen if I would have, uh, what if I would have took that football scholarship? I could have got to Bemidji State College, went up there and played football. Studied, got through my college, go on to do whatever, maybe go to grad school or something. But you know, all my friends that I talked to, you know, after they, they were changed, after they really changed, after they went to college, they all became uh, uh, evolutionists. They became indifferent to God and the things of the world. And what would have been if I would have got there, if I would have been a scientist, and what if I would have got into the jungles and I've spent my life exploring the jungles in Guatemala? And then if my life would have been required of me without Christ, I'd be headed to hell. And if I was still alive today, I'd be headed to hell with a, with a cold, hard heart to the things of God that I learned because I went to college rather than going into the army and going on with life and stumbling around until one day, like I said, up in that miner shack up in, on Younger Creek, up in the 40 mile where I got saved. So I can say that 
the way that I am, the things that all that I went through, it was for my own good. And I'm so glad that God knew me, that he knew that he was, he was willing to work on me, he was willing to, to keep molding on me, to keep working on me. That when I failed, he, he would pick me up and keep me going. And you know, one of the things it did is it brought humility. I'm not saying I'm anything, but when you go through humbling things, <laughs> you, get, you get humble. I'm thankful for that because I'm not much anything, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. And since I was saved, Well, I was called to preach in uh, 87 and I began serving the Lord. And about that same time, there was a widow lady there at Sourdough. He'd, uh, her husband had died on the Galcana River uh, some time before. She had three boys. One of them was just a month old when his dad died, drowned on the Galcana. And here I was, you know, I was potentially going to be a missionary pastor or something, and I thought, you know, it'd be, a, it'd be good to have a wife. And I looked at her, and I, I remembered what it was like to uh, grow up without a dad. And I saw those boys, how beautiful they were. And so, uh, actually, I was, a, I was a victim of the dating game. Uh, some of the people around, they, they kind of they got me uh, to, to meet her, to get to know her, and we ended up uh, uh, getting married. But she was, and I was, became a victim of the Romans Road Evangelism. She was a lost woman. She had a profession of faith, but it, the, more, uh, the more we were together, the more I, we were, I was home churching at, at Sourdough, Alaska, and then in Gakona home church and it became more and more evident that uh, she couldn't she couldn't go on and and eventually uh, after six years she uh, I was off to work one day and and I came home and there was the ring and a note and I never saw she or my uh, stepsons again so where is the good in that Well, the good, well, the good in that was that it got me where uh, God wanted me to be in the whole in the first place. When I got up, when I got saved up at Boundary, the first thing I should have done that fall, when I came back down, I should have parked here and got down and sat at the feet of my pastor, Pastor Humphrey. But I didn't. He let me go through that, and he let me deal with the mining and all that stuff, and and. Uh, And bottom line, uh, I had to just simply come to the understanding now that uh, where he wanted me, finally I did, you know, after I went through the, the losing Linda and the boys, it was the most horrible thing. Anybody that can say it's better to, to love and, and lost than to not have loved at all, doesn't know what they're talking about. 
Uh, it was like having your heart ripped out a hundred times a day. Where's the good in that? Well, the good in it was it got me up here where God wanted me all along. And he gave me, you know, all said, they got the pastor up, he gave me a Sunday school class that I needed those kids more than they needed me. And God began to bless me being a Sunday school teacher, a Bible Institute teacher. Pastor Humphrey one day asked me to think about uh, checking out uh, the, about getting into prison ministry. And I was, I said, yeah, I'll pray about it. You know, I was driving down. I didn't get to the end of Plaque Road. And I thought, well, why shouldn't I do this? You know? Yeah. I'm called to preach. I got time. And there's a need. Started in 99, 2005, we got the, the regular Thursday night service. We we had that for 15 years until the COVID. You know, that was a, it was a blessing to me to go in there each and every week. I did hundreds and hundreds of hours of one-on-one -on -one Bible studies. I learned a lot about people. I learned a lot about myself. I grew a lot. In, in trying to help others with their spiritual needs and matters. And you never know, it's like, uh, you don't really know, like that, that matter I was talking about, ultimately how things work out sometimes. One time I was coming out of the jail, after doing it one-on-one, -on -one, and I was out at the control room, control room's over here, and right here is where you, you, you leave, and then over a, to the side is where they have a booking. And the officers were bringing some guy out from the other part, that's where I came from. And uh, the guy stopped and he looked at me and he says, you never know how much you affected my life. And he walked off and he was gone. I don't even remember seeing the guy, but obviously he'd been in, <laughs> he'd been in services or something. You never know how you're gonna affect and how your testimony is gonna affect somebody. And so, it was a good thing. I can say that it was a good thing that, that Linda left when she did. Because it put me in a position where I could serve the Lord uh, where he wanted me to be. I was, out, I, was, I was like a guy out on a limb. <laughs> You're just uh, waiting for the limb to break. That's what happened to me. And so I can say that of a truth I've learned that all things do work together for good to them that love God. And it's not a matter of uh, that, that uh, God wants us to suffer or anything. He doesn't. But things are going to happen. And one of the things, uh, don't let your failures make you a prisoner. That's what happened to me. I did that to myself. I was a prisoner to my own failures. And it took, a lot, took all this time for me to get reconciled in that so I can go on. And say that all things truly work together for good, even the most hard things. It's God's will. Amen. So I'm just going to close with this.
when the world, my heart, is rending with its heaviest storm of care, my glad thoughts to heaven ascending find a refuge from despair. Faith's bright vision shall sustain me till life's pilgrimage is past. Fears may vex and troubles pain me. I shall reach my home at last. Amen. This is usually when we do the jail stuff, then we, we leave things open to the audience to, uh, to make comments or questions. And I'll, I'll give you about two minutes for that, and then we're going to have the 